0: Good good morning, good day, good evening, wherever you are. It's wonderful to be with you and to sit with you. So let's enjoy a few minutes of um, zazen together. This apparently simple act of sitting and to our ordinary mind appearing to do nothing is actually quite extraordinary. It's an invitation to to attend to your body and breath as you sit upright in relative stillness and silence as we sit to express our true nature without getting tangled up in doing something or striving for something. And if the doing and striving arises, we simply sit Without an aversion to the doing and the striving. And if something wonderful arises, we sit without attachment or some concern for what arises, just sitting with our body and our breath and taking on a noble posture. knowing that in response to everything that arises in our lives our body will take postures of joy and exuberance fear and contraction heaviness lightness shame pleasure our body shapes itself constantly but to sit simply and steadily with others without shaping our body in reaction to what moves through our consciousness. But instead, to meet each thing with the shape of a Buddha is a simple, radical act. And over time, to return to this Simple request of our body is quite transformative as we rest more and more into our primary consciousness, our true nature, whatever you wish to call it, less enchanted. With the contents of our consciousness, less caught in the self centered dream. thank you for uh, being here and for for our sitting together. I want to just say a few things today about um, the other side of this amazing capacity we have for connection. Um, I want to talk just a little bit about loneliness. The... Through the, the pandemic, there is, of course, the, the obvious uh, dislocation and disconnection that's come through lockdown and other things. <clears throat> there's a, a lack of travel and connection. Those are on the, the outer level. But I think also, on an inner level, uh, a lot of people suffer with various shades and flavors of, of loneliness. And taking some inspiration uh, from Catherine Ellis, actually, I was um, looking over her recent um, expression of her, her wisdom and joy in meeting some koans. I was looking back through the, the hidden lamp. If those of you who don't know of this book, I think many of you do. Um, is stories from 25 centuries of awakened women. Uh, there are the old Zen stories where the uh, the central figure is um, a woman rather than all the other uh, groups of koans we have which are primarily focused on men. <clears throat> and there is one of the stories, which is a contemporary story, not an ancient story, which I keep coming back to as I read through them um because some of them are, are classic ancient stories and some of them are are f- um, fresh more contemporary stories. In fact, the chapter by by Peg is a contemporary a beautiful story uh, you might want to want to take a look at. Um, this one uh, is a story that is recalled about, um, a teacher who was a Dharma heir of uh, Mel Weitzman, who we spoke about recently, who had passed. Um, Scott, who was a, a wonderful teacher. She was also um, an activist, a Buddhist activist. Um, was the abbess at the Arcata um, community in Northern California and practiced at the Sin Center quite a bit. It's where I met her and, and knew her. So in The Hidden Lab, here is the story, or classically, we'd call it the case, which is what the stories are. And I'm going to read it exactly as um, Florence Kaplow and Sue Moon wrote it or or, uh, put it into their book. It's very short. Here's the story. Uh, Crying in despair, an earnest student asked her teacher, Seisho Maylie Scott. I've worked so hard to transform this crippling loneliness. I can neither shake it nor live with it. Can you help me? Holding the student in a steady gaze and offering her confident smile, Maylie ended the conversation with, please don't ever think anything is out of place. Please don't think anything is out of place. So how do we make sense of such a statement in the face of a person obviously uh, weeping and burdened by what they call a crippling loneliness? <clears throat> I'll say that my experience of Meili, by the way, I only sat one Seshin so with her at the Berkeley Zen Center. Uh, Mel Weitzman uh, was ill, and she she took over and led a seven day a session or intensive Zen retreat, uh, a Rahatsu, the the retreat that we do in early December, um, which is a celebration of the week leading to the day we use to celebrate the Buddha's enlightenment. She's quite a steady and wonderful woman. Um, Gentle, uh, powerful, uh, clear, uh, caring, all these things. Why would she make such a statement? It reminds me of uh, another of our our students, speaking of uh, a friend or family member, I can't remember, which who who recounted that uh, this person had met with Suzuki Roshi once in Dokusan, of course, many, many years ago. And in that one meeting of practice discussion, the student had said, I'm so sad, you know, what do I do? And Suzuki Roshi said, "Um, what's wrong with sadness? And rang the bell for the person to exit. These can seem like such unusual responses, you know, Um, not, not very consoling, but of course that's not, the full job of a Zen teacher or a spiritual friend, but to be kind and caring in a way that goes beyond ordinary consolation. I think <clears throat> when, I, when I'm reflecting on this, uh, this koan, please don't ever think anything is out of place out of place not out of order out of place i'm reminded that that everything belongs there aren't extraneous or things that are extra in the world and and there's no such thing as an incomplete moment, everything is fully expressing itself. When we chant, vast is the robe of liberation. It's, it's a counterpoint to caught in the self-centered dream. Vast is the robe of liberation. This is where we rest, or we can be caught in the self-centered dream. A formless field of benefaction, instead of holding to self-centered thoughts. All parts are welcome. Is another way of saying it. It's, it's more individual in that way. All parts are welcome. Everything belongs. But of course, most of us live with anxiety about belonging. It's probably the most common uh, concern, especially in communities. Do I belong? Do I fit in? Am I cared about? Am I, am I chosen? And the... Um, small book that we often use at Ampamata in reflecting on community, the author Charles Vogel says that uh, communities occur when at least two people begin to care about each other's welfare. Not just come together to do something, but begin to care about each other's welfare. This is what we see in these interactions in the Quran. A person in despair comes to a teacher and the teacher responds. And communities are a venue for friendship. And friendship defeats loneliness. It's a place where Vogel says we can be vulnerable and still know that we belong. That's a rare thing. A place to be vulnerable and know that we're safe. That we fit. But often, we start negotiating with reality uh, out of our own fears and anxiety. When we chant, vast is the robe of liberation, a formless field of benefaction, wearing the universal teaching. In our body, we sit and express the teaching and the four practice principles we chant each moment, life as it is, the only teacher. That's wearing the teaching. But when we negotiate with reality, we fight with reality, it's actually harder to be found, as we thrash about, it's harder to be known, as we put up our defenses and our managers, rather than the relinquishment and the surrender to the vulnerability, which allows us to actually be known, and more than that, to be loved. Being just this moment is compassion's way. Realizing the one true nature. When we grasp and cling to how it should be, how it shouldn't be, how it ought to be, we are lost in the cycle of suffering, which is, of course, what we reflected on last week. I've worked so hard to transform this crippling loneliness I can neither shake it, nor live with it. Can you help me? Please don't ever think anything is out of place. In The, in the Hidden Lamp, each of the cons um, also has a reflection by a contemporary teacher. And Diane um, Musha uh, Hamilton, Um, a Zen teacher, in her reflection, wrote the following. This is just a a tiny bit of her reflection. She says, "Maylie Scott was right. When we make room for loneliness, we allow for everything. We experience directly the path of a separate self. And we can see beyond the limits to everything as it is beyond the limits of the separate self. We can see things as it is. Nothing can ever be out of place. The one true heart that embraces all things reveals itself to us. And the cry of our loneliness has a place at the table. And so does our tenderness, our troubling questions, are good company. And the teacher's response is a smiling welcome to all of our life, all of our life. Don't ever think that anything is out of place. When things surge through us, like loneliness, I think that mostly those, those powerful energies are looking for a, a couple of different responses. And the first one is our, our presence. So this is what we practice when we sit. Rather than our reactivity and our thoughts, our presence, our steady, loving presence. To see and to hold what's arising. We may not like it, so we see and hold the dislike. But we honor it. Knowing that arguing with what is, is the essence of all suffering. That doesn't mean we're simply passive, but first we have to meet what arises with our presence. The sad one, the raging one, the, the lonely one, the fearful one, the one we think is unworthy, the one full of shame, the sacred one. These things can uh, feel really intense. But, and In the ordinary sense, we think of them as obstacles on our path, but they just want to be heard and felt and cared for to share this experience within this larger space of our steady presence. And our job is to listen, just like Maylee was, to listen, not just with your ears, but with your heart. Because each carries, each thing that arises, no matter what it is, it carries Uh, I might call it secret data. But it's information that's only going to be released in a field of kindness, not aggression. So we meet things with presence, with a kind of a loving presence. And the second kind of essential piece, I think, in understanding this is that we see that whatever is arising, thoughts and feelings and bodily, is not who you are. If you feel bad, it doesn't mean that you are bad. If you feel grief, it doesn't mean you're simply sadness or despair or grief. This is not who you are. And when we slow down, way, 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 way down, and sit up in stillness, we begin to discover this for ourselves. That there are so many... things that are constructed and reacted that move through this space of truth and possibility. And this is a key to a new world. So it's a stepping back. It's a pulling back. It's an unblending. Not as a form of dissociation or disembodiment. Not at all. Because this is a place in actually to know that you aren't everything that arises but that you can actually turn toward with more intimacy what arises and this is in some ways kind of a holy art that you can learn you are the warm open field of awareness this formless field of benefaction isn't something out there waiting for you that's your essence and finding uh, this sort of um, sacred middle, the middle way which is this warm open field that falls between these ancient pathways of denial and attachment and fusion. Things change. We come closer and open into and breathe with what we've met with presence as we've listened deeply and when we open our heart and touch our own vulnerability and meet it with just one moment of this kind of awareness and with kindness and slow way way down we begin to see who we really are that nothing is out of place we come to be intimate with just this I'm going to end with the side that Meili also offered, not just to this woman, meeting her loneliness, but to the world through her work and activism. And I'm just simply going to read her, um, what she called her Metta prayer, her loving-kindness prayer, in which she took some of the essence of the Metta Sutta, which some of you know, it's not necessary that you know it, the the Buddha's loving-kindness sutra and practices of loving kindness, of metta. And you hear in it, this call to presence to meet everything that arises, everything belongs. And you also hear a call that says, if you understand that nothing is out of place, and yet, and yet, you're a social activist who's trying to meet things in the world that are troublesome, this another part of the Quran. Never see anything is out of place, and I'm going to work steadily for what I feel is not right in the world. Here's her meta prayer, and we'll, we'll post it along with the, um, the recording later. She begins with the first line of the metta sutra, this is what should be accomplished by the one who is wise. So it begins with an invitation. This is, this is what we hope would emerge through these kind of practices, to come more in alignment with that sacred art. May I be well, loving, and peaceful. May all beings be well, loving, and peaceful. May I be at ease in my body, feeling the ground Beneath my seat and feet, letting my back be long and straight, enjoying breath as it rises and falls and rises. May I know and be intimate with body-mind, whatever its feeling or mood, calm or agitated, tired or energetic, irritated or friendly. Breathing in and out, in and out, aware moment by moment of the risings and passings. May I be attentive and gentle towards my own discomfort and suffering. May I be attentive and grateful for for my own joy and well-being. May I move towards others freely and with openness. May I receive others with sympathy and understanding. May I move towards the suffering of others with peaceful and attentive confidence. May I recall the Bodhisattva of compassion, her 1000 hands, her instant readiness for action, each hand with an eye in it, the instinctive knowing what to do. May I continually cultivate the ground of peace for myself and others and persist mindful and dedicated to this work, independent of results. May I know that my peace and the world's peace are not separate and that our peace in the world is a result of our work for justice. May all beings be well, happy and peaceful. Crying in despair, an earnest student asked her teacher, Melee Scott, I've worked so hard to transform this crippling loneliness. I can either shake it nor live with it. Can you help me? Holding the student in a steady gaze and offering her confident smile, Malay ended the conversation with, please don't ever think anything is out of place. And of course, so often we do, so please bring your questions forward. Questions that come from this koan, from this, um, maybe curiosity, and we'll see how we meet it together. Hello. Hello, Tony.
1: Well, I'm I'm very intrigued by what you said about secret data. I really like that idea, you know, that there's some secret data there in, um, I guess, our discomfort and sitting with it, correct?
0: It's always a message. It's always information. These things that we um, sometimes either don't pay attention to or attend to just by trying to manage rather than being curious and that switch from trying to fix or manage or handle and cope to curiosity, what is this? That's a shift from just everyday coping, you know, psychologically or socially to practicing with and finding out what's, what's there, if everything belongs, Mm -hmm. if our uh, invitation is to turn toward uh, every moment if all parts belong what do I learn what's this part got to teach me each moment life as it is each feeling each thought each relationship it really means everything is <laughs> either just a pain <laughs> you know or or it's, it's 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 a it's a teaching
1: mm-hmm
0: You've, you've heard me say that statement I've repeated a million times Mel Weissman said he said why would you take a perfectly good practice opportunity and turn it into an ordinary event mm-hmm. and then you it of its the sacred data the secret data of what what's it trying to communicate so when we can, not identify with, oh gosh, I'm I'm this way, but instead, oh, this is what's arising and turn toward it and find out what does it have to teach us? It's a very different way of living.
1: Yeah, and just that idea that there's secret data helps you sit back from it,
0: you know? Well, and, and secret is just kind of a clever, of course, way to say it because it, it got your attention. It's yeah. secret um, because it's it's not in your awareness or it's unconscious or it's masquerading or being protected or it's been exiled in some way. This is calling forward everything as if life and your own experience isn't the foe. It's, it's, it's your life. It's not out of place. It may be powerful. It may be unpleasant, Mm -hmm. but that's not out of place. That's what's happening.
1: Yeah, yeah. And it, it helps also with self-judgment. You know, uh, I don't have to sit here and judge myself. I can just ask, what
0: is this telling me? Become um, curious about the one who's judging. If there, no, if there are no bad guys in there, everything thinks it's trying to help. Mm-hmm. You only know that if you, get, if you take the time and slow way down. And separate from instead of I'm judging myself. Oh, there is a judge. What's going on? Mm-hmm. How is it that you think this is important? What do you think would happen if you stop doing this? It thinks it's protecting.
1: Mm, yeah, that's very good.
0: That's very There's good. A deep respect for everything that arrives instead of saying this belongs and that doesn't.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. This is wrong and that's right. That's not that's the
0: yeah. dualistic. that's last week when I talked about the great way is not difficult for those who are unattached to their preferences, let go of longing and aversion and everything will be perfectly clear, you know, on and on. This mm-hmm. is what we come back to over and over and over.
1: Yeah, that was really, really helpful for me. Thank you.
0: Thank you for asking. You know, to raise your hand and to come forward uh, like Tony did is the embodiment of we're in a community in which you can be vulnerable and still know that you're cared for. It's, it's safe enough to to ask the question that you might be a little shaky around. It's not, not a therapy. We're not asking you to reveal um, uh, deep or certainly uh, private or painful things necessarily, but to come forward uh, in the practice way, how how can I meet this moment with a little more freedom in a context of care, including sitting silently with each other at times. Sandra,
2: Thank you. So the when that you say relinquish vulnerability, that really um, that really touched something in me, and that's what I just coming forward.:
0: And relinquishing... what did you say? I just missed the word relinqu- relinquish
2: of or vulnerability.
0: you say that Hmm? what did it bring forward
2: well what bring forward for me in the moment was um sometimes it's very difficult to how can you be touched with that vulnerability is to be to be in touch with that with that part i know that there is, you know, these protectors that are in there, they are trying to be for you to keep busy and going, and you and deal with life. No, you 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 deal with the life and whatever happens, you go up and just keep going, and you forget that part of vulnerability. And sometimes, the happening events, very strong events, for me to feel that,
3: mm-hmm.
2: and thus those strong events, just in the moment, I can feel it but suddenly just keep going. And I think for me, I, I notice all those vulnerabilities that I don't see it start keeping building up in your body. Yeah. And what you don't realize is when your body is just screaming at you, mm-hmm. that's my own experience. Sure. Screaming at me like, okay, put attention in here.
0: Well, and I think that's why I'm, um referencing zazen as an embodied activity. It's not a mental thing. When you're given instruction for zazen in our our school, you aren't told a number of esoteric things as a way to meditate. You're told how to sit, how to bow, how to attend very carefully to your body, because that's the ground for everything, as you know. And to then notice what moves through this vessel. We call it thoughts, feelings, sensations, all those things move through and to learn how we construct our experience. So Zazen is a very radical way to slow down, not just keep going, like you are saying, to slow down. And that slowing down is the relinquishment. Just to stop what you're doing and stop who you're becoming while you do it. And notice all the ways in which you attempt to, you know, push against it. And over time, you reveal yourself to yourself. But if you're fighting with everything that arises, of course, you, you just learn about the fight. You don't learn the secret data, what's deeper. Mm-hmm. Yes. Am, I, am I speaking to what you're asking about?
2: It is, because in the moment that you say that, I can just feel how my body starts relaxing. It's not like me, it is, you know, defensiveness.
0: And that's something you can trust.
2: And that's something I can trust.
0: Yes. Good. Yeah. And so, even though it seems. Um, I sometimes, when I'm teaching, I think, oh my gosh, I have almost nothing to offer. I ask people to sit still and breathe. (laughs) It's like, I wish I had something more glamorous, you know, more interesting, more exciting. Um, But there's nothing more transformational. It seems simple, and that's why I invite people to sit with, how simple are you willing to let this be and that willing, are you willing to let this be, mm. is actually a profound turn. And then to stay with the body, follow the breath, keep your posture, not because it's good or holy or something special, uh, because it's it's powerfully transformational to be that a- attentive to, to this. And yeah.
2: no, and yeah, and I, I what you are saying, well, I know that. But when you are fighting inside your, of you, inside of your body, I'm not talking about the mind. I'm talking this fighting in your body, mm-hmm. like fighting what wants to do and the other things. What is what is feeling, mm-hmm. what should be, and what's really the essence? What is in the in the bottom, mm-hmm. you know So that's. That really touched me when you're saying that. It's like this relinquishing completely of this. Keep fighting that.
0: And just the... Sometimes it's so overwhelming. It's like if you're in the ocean and the waves are really big. And it's really more overpowering. Sometimes the feelings and thoughts are like that. But if we... Inside, if we begin to at least name what's going on it's a way of bridging the relinquishment on the one hand in the attachment on the other hand just naming this is what's happening this is what's happening to me Mm -hmm. this is what i'm feeling this is the sensation not the stories that's different i feel terrible because my parents were this and that or this happened that's the storyline no what's the warmth The coldness, the hardness, the contraction, the opening, what's the sharpness, what's the actual sensory experience of the present moment? Because when you do that, you're making it an object of your consciousness instead of identifying it. Mm -hmm. It just gets you a little space, as you you know these things. But
2: But that's a reminder.
0: Yeah, and it's good to uh, continue to practice together like this, just like it's good to sit with our own breath. Yeah. Thank you, Fleen. Thank you. Hi, Alison.
4: Good morning. (laughs) It's great they show, give you a button now to obviously show when you're
3: (laughs) quiet. Um,
4: That felt it feels real uh, uh, balm to hear um, that uh, lesson, that on today, um, because I I've been with this with this kind of weird juxtaposition of. Um, Holding, you know, this identity as a as a as a therapist, and feeling my loneliness, and having shame at having that, and having this um, narrative that um, that uh, of that. Uh, of well yeah you've got the shame and yet you're supporting others and I, a lot of what you've shared today is um it kind of reflected some of that process and that whole thing about what i offer as well what am i offering people um and in a way that kind of nakedness of the kind of the uh, unpretentious nakedness of just being Mm -hmm. somebody. And
0: um, I think as as therapists, we often feel that shame when we, the shame is a, is one of the pieces of data that says, oh, there's something that you're attached to that you're failing. Mm -hmm. It's usually some, some idea of perfection as a therapist. Rather than, oh, you're human, humans sometimes feel shame, and your fullness as a human is often, most people that come to us, what they're looking for is a full human, not some perfected being who's very distant. to bring that fullness and that humanness, with what they say in in, uh, in Zen, without anxiety about non-perfection. Not like, oh, I'm a mess too, that's not the point. I'm a human too, and in this humanness we can make more and more messes, or we can live with what our messy, miraculous nature and be with each other and be with ourselves in ways that that don't make things worse. Mm. Your shame isn't out of place. It's a placeholder for vulnerability that says, oh, there's something to attend to, something to care for, something to reconnect to. And that's probably what you're assisting people with Every day, they come to you. How to reconnect with themselves and with others. How to accept what they meet so that they can get to know it with that kind of curiosity I was talking to Tony about. It's a big smile. It's a lot of love.
4: Good. Mm. Mm. Thank you, Welcome.
0: all of you. Yes, mm. hello.
3: Hello, I am always interested in loneliness, <laughs> it's, a, it's a favorite topic. Um, I remember actually um, naming loneliness at a very young age. It's one of my earliest memories um, of realizing that loneliness is part of my experience and putting it in a particular spot that was familiar.
0: Part of your shape. What? Part of your shape.
3: Right, right. And part of the spaces I occupied often enough that they felt familiar, not exotic at all so um it's interesting how how that when I used to think of loneliness um as a place, and i actually if I think about it, I still do
0: mm-hmm. it's it's
3: an identifiable place in the map of my life, and there are times that I'm in that country, and that's just a given and and i um I don't find myself. Wanting to run away from it, but what happened to me over the year of COVID is that since that place on the map, I wasn't traveling and I wasn't seeing a lot of people. That place on the map showed up a lot, which I'm sure is for everyone, probably quite true. Um, And so it sort of it became pretty obvious that since I'm there anyhow, I might as well be there. Learn about
0: this territory of loneliness.
3: Yeah, I got a lot of practice of being in the lonely part of the map. And it's really interesting because what I had a flash of understanding is loneliness is your best opportunity to get to know yourself. Mm -hmm. And the investment is in yourself, not in the lack of others. Mm -hmm. And if that is how you turn to loneliness and you take it as a signal, you need investment in yourself then that's what it is and in a way it's a very friendly place in terms of just that fullness of self and the test is that when covid now is has released me to the world more i'm a lot less lonely than i remember myself before Mm. i don't occupy that place as often and when i do i don't stay there that long not because i found a friend or i traveled it's because i i reach in And I find myself and the loneliness is just not there. Uh, So I'm trying to find a new place on the map that is directly related to loneliness, but is the non-loneliness or the unloneliness, which is actually the place of real connection. Because without being connected to self, it's absolutely impossible to really connect to others, as it turns out. And if you're not using the
0: connection to other just as a, a new management for the loneliness, right. for example, my connection to you right now isn't so that we can not be lonely. It's so that we can walk together hand in hand in that territory of loneliness together and find out what the, what's there. Not to get over it, become intimate with it.
3: And it's both it's, it's possible to walk hand in hand, when your loneliness is actually fully claimed, and you've used it to know who you are to hand to to, to reach out, um, truly reach out. And uh, that has been one of the most beautiful parts of the, my post COVID um, era. <laughs> um, And I'm really appreciative that you brought it up and reminded me of uh, this this shift.
0: And I appreciate the way you're speaking about it, because you're really adding a lot to this conversation and to this understanding. We're talking about the koan and what it's bringing, what it's brought forward. And I appreciate the way that you're reflecting on it. It has a lot of wisdom in it and a lot of compassion. I can feel it. It's good to walk with you
3: and with all of you.
0: Yes. Thank you very
3: much. Hi, okay. hi, Flint, and everyone. Um,
0: it sounds like a good intervention, doesn't it? Oh, you remuted yourself.
3: <laughs> <laughs> um. So, um, the uh, idea of the discovery of the secret, um, flight, secret data. Um, obviously requires a lot of openness mm-hmm. and um, which I um, feel, you know, pretty limited in at times. And so my, what I'm trying to do is have compassion for the part of me that doesn't want to know the secrets.
0: Um, yeah, you know, the, the openness or vulnerability is the difficult part. But one of the things that you are demonstrating in your practice, which comes before that, is your willingness. Thank you. You demonstrate a tremendous amount of willingness, including the willingness to look at what you're unwilling to do. (laughs) (laughs) And and I'm just making a little bit of a joke, but find difficult. But what you keep bringing over and over is your willingness. And that's, that precedes the, you know, positive qualities that we describe of, you know, openness and tenderness and all that will come. That's who we are. That's our nature. But if, if there has to be some willingness to meet what arises with presence, to listen deeply and to not identify with, but instead step back and turn toward. And you are demonstrating that willingness
3: true Mm -hmm. yeah
0: and sometimes i think that um
3: my discoveries are you know come on so strong because i'm you know i'm like you know not so open so it's like (laughs) it's like cracks you know it's like a big thunderclap that that is required to, um, but yes, the willingness.
0: But but once again, you could even uh, generate that narrative instead of just staying with the experience. Like Efrat was saying, loneliness is something she's known all of her life. It's become a friend in some ways. I'm not, this is not her words, but it's part of the map of who she is and she's learning. Uh, There's a way in which currents of awareness and come through you really strongly. And that's who you are. That's not a brokenness, and I don't think it's necessarily some measure of your defensiveness or some you know. It doesn't have to be analyzed. It just moves through you strongly. And your willingness to... Once again, my wave metaphor, they they say here, everywhere, but certainly in Hawaii, you hear it all the time, Never turn your back on the ocean. Because if you're in the water and you turn your back, that sneaky one is gonna get you. Turn around, face it, and you can navigate the difficulties much more easier and less likely to be caught off guard. They're gonna be strong sometimes. Don't turn your back. Thank you. Allow yourself to sit with what's come forward thus far. If you return to your body and your breath, and maybe over the next week or so, just sit with that statement. The the basic statement, please don't ever think that anything is out of place. What if that was a little mantra? Please don't ever think that anything is out of place. As you sit and feel the discomfort in your back or your knees, your shoulders or your neck, the breath that gets caught, the breath that's deep, the tears that come out, the thoughts that come, the worries about the future, the concerns about the past, the stories we tell, all that happens. That's what's happening on the movie screen, but the screen doesn't move. Your primary awareness doesn't move. has no preferences. As your body on the earth, remember when the Buddha was awakened? He didn't say, now I've got all my early issues worked out. Now I don't feel unhappy anymore. When he was challenged down to his core by Mara, he touched the earth. He grounded himself to the body and the earth, the earth elements. This is my witness. This is where I sit. And therefore vanquished all those things that were going to topple him from that sense of presence. are coming back to your body and to your breath. And then we remind ourselves over and over and over, boringly repetitive, I know, but beautifully inviting over and over. We chant the four practice principles together. Caught in the self-centered dream, only suffering, holding to self-centered thoughts, in the self-centered dream, only suffering. Holding to self-centered thoughts, exactly the dream. Each moment, life as it is, the only teacher. Being just this moment, compassion's way. Thank you for your presence and your willingness.
3: Appamada's programmes and facilities are supported through your generosity. Your support really does make such a difference. You'll find an opportunity um, to make contributions on the website. Um, if you go to appamadaorg forward slash contribute, you'll see an opportunity there to contribute towards classes and teachers such as Peg and Flint. So thank you so much, everybody. And we now move on to our next offering, where we um, continue to meet and share on the virtual porch. Um, so please do uh, take a couple of minutes break if you wish to and uh, join myself and others for 30 minutes. Thank you so much.